and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. I'm working on getting back into the swing of things, and I'm so happy that that includes setting aside some time to study a new woman of the Bible. There's still so many of them that I haven't even touched on yet, so I have a lot of material and plenty of women to choose from, but I'm super excited to dive into these seven verses and see what we can take away from it, see what the Holy Spirit has to teach us. For this Bible study, we get to read a short but powerful story about a woman who was at the end of her rope, but then reached out to a man of God in 2 Kings 4. So if you're looking for a message on trusting God in the midst of fear and unfortunate circumstances and not knowing what's going on, I think this might just be for you. And we're going to go ahead and start off in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. And it reads like this. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So pause, context. The woman we're looking at today is not given a name, but here we see who she identifies herself to be, the wife of a man who served the Lord under Elisha, perhaps as a man that Elisha even knew personally, although we're not given that context, but her husband dies. And while he was a man who feared and served the Lord, he was a man with debts. And when he passed, his wife was left with the burdens of those debts. But her immediate concern is that whoever this debt was owed to wanted to take her two children as slaves for payment. And as wild as that might sound, there are laws allowed for people to trade their freedoms to pay off debts. So a man could work off his debts by becoming a slave to that person he owed until it was worked off. Or if he was Hebrew, as long as he wasn't a foreigner, it was until six years had passed or until the year of Jubilee, when if they ever actually enacted that. Um, and children and women could be taken in as slaves for the exact same purpose. The beginning of Exodus 21 is one of the passages that speaks more on those ideas and those laws meant for the protection of God's people, whether slave or free, debt or creditor, like that whole thing. But this passage paints the picture that the creditor is coming to forcibly take her children. It doesn't say specifically how old the widow or the children are, but from my previous readings and understandings of Old Testament scripture, for her to refer to them as boys and not just sons, my guess is that they were 12 years of age or younger. So not only is this traumatic sounding that your young children would be taken away from you as slaves, but when you add in the historical context, her sons were the only way she would have been taken care of in those days. Her sons were her inheritance. So this poor woman who just lost her husband is watching her home essentially be devoured and her life unraveling as her present and future is being threatened dramatically. Her debts are very real. Payment has to be made and there's nothing that she can do. So what does she do? Does she run and try and hide from her problems? Does she steal? You know, what does she do? Well, she goes to the person she knows walks closely with the Lord and tells him of her trouble. She goes to gets, she goes and gets God's help. Now, real quick, who is Elisha? Now, this is where it might get a little complicated because of the similarity of names. You've probably heard about Elijah, a very similar name, Elijah with a J. We talked about Elijah with a J in the June 2022 devotional, A Gentle Whisper. Well, Elisha, also commonly referred to as Elisha, I looked it up trying to figure out which is actually the correct pronunciation and people pronounce it both ways. So I'm just going to stick with the one that it sounds in my audio Bible that I have access to. And it says Elisha. Elisha was Elijah's apprentice and spiritual heir, essentially. Elisha, early in his prophetic walk with God, requested God to give him a double portion of Elijah's 
spirit, which was his way of asking for God to bless his ministry. And when Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind to heaven, God granted Elisha's request. I hope listening to this back that I can hear the difference between these two names. But Elisha, the S-H, Elisha, however you want to pronounce his name, has some really cool miracle power stories, including an awesome one that takes place right after this set of verses. And I plan to actually cover that someday because it's another woman of the Bible story, a really good one. Anyway, my point in bringing up who Elisha is, is that this woman knew of Elisha's close walk with God and his previous experience under Elijah. And she had wisdom in who she was taking her troubles to. So back to 2 Kings 4, we see how Elisha responds to her dilemma and what's going on. Elisha replies to her and he goes, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she responds, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. So his response is to have her look inward at what she currently has. And I'm sure just flabbergasted, she responds with nothing. Like, like what? If that, if that was me in, I was in her head. If that was me in her head, she could have been thinking, would I let my sons risk slavery if I could sell off some luxury items? Like, what do you mean, Elisha? What do I have? Nothing but a tiny jar of olive oil, pennies to my name. What do I have in my house? A deficit of a husband children in danger. Like, what do you want me to say? And it'd be so easy to take that approach, to give into that gnawing feeling, to complain, exasperated, to not keep your ears and your eyes open to receive what God has for you, because all you see is what you don't have. And when you're in the midst of anything hard, but especially grief, it can feel like an insurmountable burden. It can feel like you have nothing. So what do you mean, Elisha? I have a small bottle of olive oil in my house and scared kids and a whole lot of fear and grief. And I don't know what to do with that. But the good news is that Elisha knew exactly what God could do with a little jar of olive oil. And so we continue on in verse three, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all of the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him and she shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and she told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Wow, God is good. I wonder how weird it felt to go around to all of the neighbors and ask for empty jars. Like, did they tell them what the jars were for? Did anyone scoff and laugh at them? How dumb do you think at any point in time she felt when she was about to pour that olive oil or when she was asking for those jars? Because if I'm being honest, sometimes my trust in God comes easily. Sometimes the doubt doesn't creep in at all, but sometimes the enemy's voice is just loud enough for me to wonder how foolish I am to believe in what I cannot see. But 2 Corinthians 5, 7 reminds us that we live by faith and not by sight. And my faith is constantly being built up through the ways God works in my life. Through the truth I find in his words in the Bible, even when I didn't agree with them at first. Through what he speaks to me and my heart and then confirms through other people, how he answers prayers. How his peace infiltrates my very being. But one thing that really stands out and relates to this woman is her obedience to do God's will, even when it didn't make sense. And there's been multiple experiences in my life where I chose obedience before it made sense as to why. 
In fact, I feel like that happens most of the time. Like, I don't understand why I'm supposed to be doing something or not to be doing something, but then I walk it out by faith and suddenly I see the reasons. And look at how that obedience worked out in her life. Picture her little home, the floor covered in filled jars of oil, liquid gold, salvation for her and her family. And she was just so focused on the task at hand that she was given to do. She didn't even note the abundance flowing out of her trusting hands. And suddenly there wasn't a drop left to fill. Her debts were paid. Her provision for herself and her sons was secure. How many jars would you have gathered? Would you have done it at all? The number of jars they gathered was an indication of their faith. God's provision was as large as their faith and their willingness to obey. Ephesians 3.20 reminds us that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And I can't help but feel the correlation between these jars of oil and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about it for a minute. She had a debt she couldn't pay. Even with a husband who served the Lord, there was still debt. Her children could be lost to slavery, but she, she had obedience to listen to what God wanted her to do for salvation. Listen to this. We have a debt that we can't pay. Regardless of love and devotion or works to God, we all fall short of his glory. We all have debt that we are helpless to pay. We're all in danger of slavery to sin. But God tells us his will, and his will is how to achieve salvation. And we do this by believing in Jesus Christ and calling him Lord of our lives. And that can sound so silly, about as silly as gathering empty jars to fill with a few drops of olive oil. Like, how can his goodness fill up such an undeserving vessel? I have nothing for God to use, but that's a lie. Jesus's blood paid the debts of our sin and his spirit fills up our weak vessels and makes them holy. And don't just get a few bottles. Hear the words of Elisha. Don't just get a few bottles. Rise up your faith before you see it. Don't just receive enough to pay off the debt. Fill up on the spirit of God. Fill up on enough to live, to live out a life of purpose and redemption and love and wholeness and fruits of the spirit. There are so many people missing out because they collect enough jars, enough bottles to be saved. And they dream of the day in the next life when they can be free of their burdens and their hurt and their sins. And they can walk with Jesus and experience his blessings and his peace and his joy. But eternal life can begin the day of salvation. It can begin today. It can begin for you this very hour. There's anointing waiting for you with this oil, with a life of purpose and abundance and freedom from slavery to sin and suffering. And that's why I say don't limit God's blessings because of a lack of faith. Fill up your jars and not just a few, fill them all up, collect every single one that you can find. I want to end with a reading courtesy of Paul in the book of Ephesians. And it kind of goes along with the verse that I read earlier, but this one is verses 16 through 21. And it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that's everything that I have for today.
As usual, if you have any questions about today's episode, the Bible, or anything else, I'd be happy to answer it as best as I can. And if you haven't heard it today, God loves you so much. He wants to fill up every single jar that you give him. And I love you. You are important. You have worth and you have a purpose. I'm signing off. Bye.